Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Scott Guasco. This is episode 191 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, we are breaking down sophomore tight ends once again with my man, Lucas K. So, Lucas, how are you feeling? Doing good. I'm ready to break down the hardest position to decide what to do with in fantasy, it seems like. Um, this is, I guess, a little bit of dynasty sort of content. I hope most of your dynasty leagues, I hope you don't have tight ends. A lot of mine, we play like four flex or something. So hopefully that's not the case, but we are here to help you if it is. Especially early early career tight ends. Uh, very rarely. I mean, of course, we saw Evan Ingram uh, a few years ago. Hunter Henry had spurts, but he got injured. Very few tight ends are actually doing it in their first year and second year. However, the second, third, and fourth is when they start to pick up. So some guys that we know and love in fantasy football actually had kind of a uh, late-blooming career. So this is where we're going to dive into some of those guys. So, of course, just like the rest of our series, you've been hearing all last week, Tuesday, Thursday, with the quarterbacks and running backs. And, of course, on Tuesday, you heard our receivers. We're once again going to break down those sophomores from the 2019 draft class. Before we get into those names, uh, Lucas, can you please break down how you get to your numbers, um, what the draft stock might actually be for these guys? Uh, and I know that, again, this is primarily dynasty, but there's definitely some redraft value uh, with certain guys here, uh, namely TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, some of these guys. So uh, break down how you kind of get to where uh, those numbers come from on your end. Yep, absolutely. So, well, to start, if you haven't listen to the speech I'm about to give. Go back and listen to the quarterbacks episode first. Um, there's re not really an order to how to listen to them, but I think those are probably more valuable than this one. You could say this in terms of overall um, fantasy play. So the hit rates is basically you set a top six, top 12, top 10, top 20, whatever um, category or section you want to break it down to. And the hit rate percentage is the the percentage of players that hit that set category that you make for this, the position. So for this video, it's going to be uh, tight ends that hit the top six, top 12, top 18, top 24. Obviously, there's overlap because if you hit the top six, you hit the top 24 and then on down the board. So we took a sample. Uh, there's different samples for each uh, round they're drafted it in. Um, and we basically just took their second and third year finish. And then we have a bunch of percentages that line up with that. Um, kind of a... I don't want to say a big sample, but it was smaller than I thought, or no, sorry, it was bigger than I thought it was going to be. Um, I didn't really think that there's many, this many tight ends that get drafted every year. So we'll uh, take a d deep dive into these for sure. Right on. Those names we are covering in this episode, uh, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox, Herb Smith, Foster Moreau, and Jace Sternberger. Of course, some of those guys right off the bat have more value than the others. Some of them may not even be relevant at all this year. Um, but we do want to cover them because they do have opportunity on their respective teams. So let's dive right into it, man. Uh, we'll go right off the top here with a, a, a double, double fan for you. Um, two tight ends were actually drafted. By, uh, from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Of course, mm -hmm. we know of George Kittle as well. So Iowa getting it done. Of course, you're a native uh, native to Iowa there and go to school out there. So let's start with your boy Noah Fant also on your beloved uh, Denver Broncos as well. So Noah Fant last year finished as the tight end 17 as a rookie. Still pretty impressive. Uh, played a full 16-game slate, just one of two of the tight ends to do that and actually led all of these rookie tight ends from last year in receptions and receiving yards. So uh, why don't you kick us off here with Noah Fant, who had 
PPR fantasy points per game. Yep, so he was drafted in round one, so obviously that placed him into the round one sample size. Uh, all so These are all sophomore tight ends, so all year two. So in that sample we took, this is from 2010 to 2019, all the numbers we spit out here. There was six, no, sorry, seven tight ends drafted in round one. In year two for those tight ends, none of them have ever hit top six, um, just in terms of, these are PPR finish too. 14% of the seven, I think that's right about one, uh, maybe two, I'm trying to do math at the top of my head, hit the top 12. So basically a tight end one. And then it was 71 and 71% for the next two. So basically very unlikely to hit top 12, which I mean with tight ends just in general, just like an overall thought, it is hard to hit the top. Not It's not hard to hit the top 12, but like if you're just some random tight end and that isn't conducting a market share, like you're not even going to come close to it because the kind of like the gap, you can kind of tell like a, a tight end that has a significant market share year in and year out versus a random flyer guy. So with Noah Fant, that places him um, in the 0, 14, 71, and 71. That's kind of where I sort of picture him this year. He was tight in 8 on um, the FFPC ADP in terms of Dynasty ADP and redraft as of now is tight in 11. So he's kind of just like teetering on the edge there. Dynasty obviously makes more sense. He's super young. He'll be there for a long time. Redraft tight in 11. I think that's going to rise though, to be honest. is kind of what I've been seeing in terms of mock drafts that I've been doing. And I don't really know how I feel about it quite yet. I haven't really, like, it's tough. Because obviously we have a draft coming up uh, when you're hearing this. Next week is the draft. So we'll know more so if they do add a receiver, a high-profile receiver, just a bunch of smaller receivers. But if they do add a receiver, that places him at, what, the third option at best, but most likely fourth or fifth behind Melvin Gordon, that new receiver, and Philip Lindsay. So, like, there's not – I see the upside due to the athletic talent, and it just – it's kind of – Blurry is the word I think you could put there just because there's so many weapons in front of him. So I took, uh, I mentioned Pat Shermer quite a bit when we break down the Broncos uh, pass heavy. He will be bringing this offense to a pass heavy offense. And I looked at Shermer's um, tight ends, obviously Evan Ingram the last two years. In 2019, uh, he has been hurt, but I took the targets per game, 8.5. And then in 2018, eight targets per game. Noah Fant, I mean, if they want to use him that way, that he can be used that way, but I don't think he's going to get eight targets per game. Um, so I think what I'm trying to get at is don't reach on him because one, the numbers aren't adding up or in his favor. And the path to an Evan Ingram type role um, is not really there. Um, but I definitely, if he catches 10 touchdowns or even two catches for like 60 yards a game, like he's going to be a top 12 tight end. That's just how it falls in there. So I, I love him as a talent. Dynasty, yeah, if you have a tight end spot, he's a great pick to have. But I think redraft, maybe pump the brakes a little bit and look elsewhere. Right. And, and we'll get into uh, another breakdown with TJ Hawkinson next, who's going to be a similar conversation, obviously. Uh, I wanted to bring up Mike Kosicki really quick, who was number 12. He's a tight end 12 on the season. Um, last year was his more season, so he's coming into his third. So we'll actually cover him in May when we get into our third-year player breakdowns. But I wanted to bring him up because he's about 20, 20 to 30 fantasy points uh, ahead of Noah Fant right now, who's at 16. So to get to that jump would just be another couple of touchdowns maybe um, to separate. And I want to bring up Gasicki specifically because when he was a rookie, pretty much irrelevant with the Dolphins, 22 receptions on 32 targets, just 202 yards, no touchdowns. As a sophomore, though, and a pretty rough offense overall, a sophomore with Miami last year, 51 receptions on 89 targets, 570 yards, and five touchdowns. 
So 570 yards and five touchdowns uh, and 50 catches got him to wide receiver 12, or I'm sorry, tight end number 12. So Jason Witten was above uh, tight end number 11, and we don't really think of Jason Witten as productive at all at this point in his career. So I guess what we're saying is it doesn't take much to crack the top 12 at a tight end, which I think a few of these guys could actually do. However, Almost every other position, a top 12 player is maybe a fantasy league winner, depending on where you're at. At tight end, you got to be like a top six tight end, <laughs> maybe top eight, depending on what happens to really make a difference there. So uh, Noah Fant right now in my redraft is actually my tight end 12. I've got it right there on the cusp. And in Dynasty, I've got him at uh, tight end number 10. And of course, uh, we'll get Lucas's dynasty rankings uh, with these guys coming up at the end of the episode. So Noah Fan, I think, is my favorite uh, of this group. Um, but, you know, again, it's just that opportunity. But I think Shermer can uh, make it happen, as he did with Evan Ingram there. Let's move on to TJ Hawkinson, another Iowa guy. So two Hawkeyes, again, uh, drafted this year. And, of course, uh, one more time, George Kittle just a few years ago. So those Iowa Hawkeyes getting it done at the tight end position. TJ Hawkinson of the Lions last year finished uh, – Tight end number 29, 6.7 PPR fantasy points per game. Played just 12 games. Had a huge week one. Um, kind of set the uh, fantasy landscape, certainly in dynasty leagues, on fire uh, when he came out and um, had a huge game in week one. But then kind of just sputtered through the rest of the season. Of course, Matt Stafford went down, and uh, I expect the Lions to bounce back tremendously this year. But um, TJ Hawkinson, another Iowa guy, and I think he and Noah Fant could, could both be um, – tight end ones this year yeah so this one's actually kind of funny now that i like looked at the sample size and i was thinking well in the last 10 years how many tight ends were drafted in the top 10 because tj hawkinson was the eighth pick if i remember right um i think right around there it was actually eric ebron to the lions so kind of like a funny <laughs> like this kind of similar situation kind of similar tight ends sort of in the way they play so well there's only one guy to take a sample size from so in ebron's second year he finished as a uh, top well, not top 18, um, 18 to 24 plus range tight end. I think it was like 20. And then the next year he hit tight end 12, if I remember right. So basically what I, what I did is since it's a similar offense, the offense hasn't changed maybe a little bit, but like the, the overall scheme of the offense hasn't changed. I just basically looked at how Ebron progressed through this offense. Um, and it's actually pretty, it looks pretty good for Hawkinson. So Ebron, um, in his first year, played 41% of the snaps and 40 had 47 targets. Hawkinson in his first year had 66.9% of the snaps and 59 targets. So we already just jumped him there while being hurt too. So that is promising. Ebron was behind Reggie Bush, Megatron, Golden Tate, and Brandon Pettigrew. So Hawkinson came in right away and was like the, the clear, I mean, behind Kenny Galladay. And then I put like Marvin Jones in a question mark. Cause like, is he really like, I don't, he's kind of like the two B target on this offense. Now they really didn't I add anyone. Marvin Jones. I know, like, but he's always he gets always injured every single year, and like, so I think there's like you can we don't predict those, but like some players you can predict an injury. So I think Hawkinson, like, if you go on the trajectory of Eric Ebron, obviously he got traded and then broke out with the Colts, but like we're not saying that's gonna happen. But like he's already ahead of where Ebron was, and they drafted Ebron high for a reason. So I feel like there's a lot more coming with Hawkinson. However, the numbers obviously only one guy don't add up to this year, but I think I could easily see like a like a really safe floor tight end just due to volume um especially if well marvin jones was banged up i'm not for sure the extent of his injury if he's gonna be ready to go for the season 
I don't think they're in a position to add a top guy, top receiver. And like you said, we expect this team to bounce back. So I think Hawkinson could easily be tight end 8 to 12, like on a floor. His ceiling might be a little capped just because he's not like a big, big play guy like Noah Fant and George Kittle. He's more just like your blocking possession tight end. But I mean, if you can get a safe floor guy in the, what, 12th, 13th round, I think you'll be sitting pretty fine. But like we said, with the tight end position, the usually the play I take is get a top guy or just stream guys that can put up 12 plus points a week. So I don't know if Hawkinson will really be like a something you want in your lineup every week, but we definitely saw the upside in the first game against the Cardinals. Yeah, I agree. And he, I'm not excited about him. I would like Noah Fant or I would, how about this? I would be okay with Noah Fant as my tight end one on my roster. I don't necessarily feel comfortable with TJ Hawkinson yet. Although I think if you have one of those top guys, like say you go Kelsey Kittle, Ertz, Andrews, Waller, whoever early, getting Hawkinson just in case at the back of your, uh, at the back of your roster is awesome. I think with the upside mm-hmm. there, uh, just a quick mention on Eric Ebron, uh, with the lions, of course, this is a totally different regime and everything else, but Matt Stafford's at least the, the common denominator. Um, 2015 was his second year in the league and he finished as the, uh, tight end number 13, um, just a, a few points behind Antonio Gates at the time. Uh, and Ebron only played 14 games there. So I think, you know, it, there's definitely opportunity for Hawkinson to crack the top 12 again. Um, both these guys, I think, could be tight end ones in their opportunity. Uh, I do take a little bit of um, a little extra with Noah Fant because I think that there's less mouths to feed in Denver yeah. as of right now. We'll see what happens in the draft, obviously, uh, with them probably uh, you know picking up a big uh, picking up a big time receiver to complement Cortland Sutton. But as of right now, um, the Lions have more mouths to feed there, so. We'll see what happens with uh, TJ Hawkinson. I've got him at 19 in redraft and in dynasty. Let's move on to Dawson Knox of the Bills. Finished tight end 30 last year, 5.3 fantasy points per game. Played 15 games, um, just 28 receptions, 388 yards, and two touchdowns. He actually outperformed uh, TJ Hawkinson, who had 32 catches, uh, 367 and two. Um, but obviously Hawkinson played three last games. So Dawson Knox, I think, is kind of a deep sleeper at tight end um, with uh, the Bills' entire offense upgrading. And I think bringing in somebody like Stephon Diggs uh, along with Beasley and John Brown, I think this actually helps Dawson Knox a little bit, kind of stretch the field a little bit. Um, He did not score a touchdown in college. Uh, but last year he got two, and he's definitely a big athletic body. So I like Dawson Knox a little bit, but certainly not somebody I'm looking for in redraft necessarily. How about you? Yeah, so surprisingly, like, I don't know why this would happen. So just, like, based off the hit rate numbers, we have charts. Um, I'm not I'm reading off the numbers, not the charts. Round three tight ends, there's 19 of them coming into their second year. 16% hit a top six tight end. Like, I don't. I don't know. I mean, probably one is Mark Andrews probably helped out that. Like, but, like, I just don't see, like – where that would make sense like you would think like the top tier guys like would be drafted to have a good market share or whatever to, like, i don't know it's just interesting like uh because you think it's round three tight ends you think you guys like dawson knox a bunch of just like hopeful flyers i think is what you could say come nfl draft time but so 16 percent hit top six 21 percent hit top 12 32 and then 37 so i mean the numbers are looking great for dawson knox and I didn't really want to leave it at that. So I kind of took a deeper look into, is this really possible for him to be a top six tight end? So obviously he's behind wide receiver one now, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Devin Singletary, 
I mean, and Josh Allen runs the ball. So he's they're on a run-first team, and he's the one, two, three, like the sixth option. And if they add another running back, like the seventh option. And you kind of, I don't know, like, I, like when you watch him, he plays fine because he's an athletic tight end and a run-first offense that can block. So he's going to be out there a lot. But he um, had the second highest out of the top 36 um, tight ends in PPR, like target to reception ratio. So like how many, so targets divided by reception. So obviously you want that as close to one as you can. His was a 1.79. And then I went even further on it. He had 20 drops on his 50 target, or <laughs> something like that. 20 to 20, it was 20 out of the 50. So like 30 of his, I don't know, it was 20 drops. I'm not trying to think of his actual target number, but like, I don't know. It's just like tough because like he looks good on film, but then you actually look and you're like, oh, he had 20 drops and he had the second highest target to reception ratio. And he's like the sixth option on the offense and redraft. I'm not going to take him. But even in dynasty, I don't feel like people, people aren't like reaching on him, but like, I feel like I would just pivot somewhere else because I mean, I guess he can maybe pick it back up or redraft. I had not a chance that I even try anything in the late rounds for him. Yeah, I agree. I've got him at the back end, actually, the, my last tight end, two at 24 in redraft and 21 in dynasty. Of course, these guys get a little bit of an edge in dynasty just because they're young. But, I mean, we see tight ends fade out constantly and pop up out of nowhere. So um, Dawson Knox, I think, is a deep flyer. I think that's basically what he is at this point. And you bring it up, I don't think of the Bills as, like, a high-flying pass attack per se. But as far as, like, the option, I think you're right. He's way down on the totem pole. Uh, which makes me a little bit nervous there for uh, for Dawson Knox. All right, let's move on to maybe even further down. Uh, the next three guys here are probably not even conversations to draft per se, but they're definitely names that have opportunity. We don't talk about handcuffed tight ends. I think the only possible handcuffed tight end in the league right now that I would bring up is Dallas Goddard, just in that if Zach Ertz were to go down, Dallas Goddard is a top three to five tight end automatically. Um, if there's anybody else in the league you can think of, uh, holler at me. But um, these next couple guys, Irv Smith, Foster Moreau, and Jace Sternberger are just kind of names I want to talk about quick because it is their second year. And again, they may be irrelevant again this year. However, in a third opportunity, if uh, Kyle Rudolph um, or Darren Waller or uh, the Packers actually connect uh, and he gets that opportunity yeah. that Jimmy Graham has left uh, going to the Bears with Aaron Rodgers, these guys could have some um, future opportunity and basically are free in dynasty benches right now that you could just go pick up in the offseason and, and let uh, sit on your bench there. So let's start with Irv Smith of the Vikings. Finished tight end 33, 5.1 fantasy points per game, 36 receptions, 311 yards, and two touchdowns. Again, he also outpaced TJ Hawkinson and Dawson Knox there, believe it or not, as kind of a split squad with Kyle Rudolph and uh, played a full 16 slate, but again, was second tier for sure and way down the totem pole behind Thielen Diggs uh, and even Dalvin Cook there for the Vikings. Um, Kyle Rudolph did, was thinking about leaving. They talked about him leaving. He wanted to come back. They brought him back. Um, it looks like, you know, Stephon Diggs left, obviously, so they're going to be probably running two more, uh, more two tight end sets, probably pick up a receiver in the draft. I'm not excited about Irv Smith yet, but very athletic, and once they realize that Kyle Rudolph is just not as good as Irv Smith, maybe, uh, they should turn the page. But as of right now, how do you feel about Irv Smith? Yeah, so he was drafted in this, uh, round two last year, and that, those hit rates are out of 16 in the last 10 years, 16 tight ends, 6% have hit the top six in year two, 25 top 12, 44 top 18, and 56 top 24. So you think decent odds. I mean, 
good enough to maybe for a late late flyer on a really athletic good athletic profile tight end and for some reason i thought kyle rudolph had an out in his contract this year so i had irv smith ranked really high in my first batch of dynasty rankings went to go look at it not a chance he's a 5.8 mil dead cap hit this year if they cut him 4.35 next year somewhere in the 2 million next year or third year so three years away and like 1.5 in year four yeah he's not no and the Vikings just let Stephon Diggs, their best receiver, probably since Randy Moss walk, because they didn't want to pay him. So they're not, they don't, they, they're not cutting Kyle Rudolph, and it sucks because like Irv Smith has the, he has like a George Kittle profile. He's just an athlete, and it works. But for a team that was second to last in pass plays per game, that doesn't really utilize like athletic playmakers, like their wide receiver ones, Adam Thielen, and their tight end ones, Kyle Rudolph. They just want to run the ball. And then use the big bodies in the red zone. He did have 10 red zone targets, though, so you can give him that if you want to take a chance on him. But it just kind of sucks because he's locked up there the same length as Kyle Rudolph. So they're going to have to make a decision come in two, three years. Um, maybe a dynasty stash, but really even if then, how much value are you getting out of it? Um, just because unless Rudolph gets hurt, you're not getting anything really out of him. So it's just kind of a sort of a wash of a... I don't want to save a prospect, but like, there's not really anything there unless you're just going to stash him in case Rudolph gets hurt. Yeah, and on dynasty rosters, I mean, most dynasty rosters are ten deep at least. I mean, 30, 15, 18, 20 sometimes. Yeah. So if you're in one of those, if you're in, if you're in twelve plus bench spots, why not? Yeah. Pick up some of these guys. I mean, why not? I mean, even dynasty is the whole thing. Like dynasty, you, you should have this team for five to 10 years. And like, who knows who Irv Smith will be even four or five years from now. You know, I mean, it took some of these, some of these tight ends. Uh, it took a handful of years to get them, get them running. Zach Ertz took a while. Travis Kelsey took a while. You know, Hunter Henry has been basically hurt for his career, but there's so much promise still because he's young. You know what I mean? So you could sit on some of these tight ends for four or five years and, if and when they get rid of Kyle Rudolph or he goes down right now, they don't have other options and Thielen's not going to be around much longer as well, just with age and whatnot. So there could be opportunities sooner than later for Irv Smith, but I don't think it's this year outside of an injury. And of course we don't predict or talk about injury necessarily. So this year, again, I'm not feeling Irv Smith. However, I think he can certainly be an opportunity down the road and, but dynasty, I mean, again, if he's free, why the hell not? Scoop him yeah. up, see what he's got, be ahead of the curve. Because what you don't want to do is pass on him because there's no opportunity right now. And then Kyle Rudolph goes down week two, and all of a sudden Irv Smith is a top eight tight end. <laughs> and would be, he's yeah. going, he, he, yeah, and he's going for, you know, 30, 40% of your fab or whatever because he's a free agent, number one tight end, and you could have picked him up for free. So why not grab some of these guys, especially for deep? Now, look, if you've got three quality tight ends, uh, then obviously don't pick up a, a fourth or a fifth. That's silly. But if you only have one or two, or maybe your number one tight end is Zach Ertz and your second one is, I don't know, you know, you don't have a second one or you have somebody that you're not confident in, um, then maybe you want to just take a stab on somebody like this. So uh, Trey Burton right now, I've got um, a little bit higher than Dawson Knox at redraft tight end 22 and in dynasty, I've got him at 18. So I do see some potential there. Uh, but again, it's just, uh, it's going to be a waiting game for, uh, for Herb Smith. Two more names here. We got Foster Moreau of the Raiders again, kind of that uh, second compliment um, at tight end for, the Raiders with Darren Waller, um, but quite an impressive season for Foster Moreau, which 
I know you're a Waller guy, so I want to I want to hear yeah. this take. But and I'm not necessarily not a Waller guy, but what makes me nervous is Foster Moreau had just 21 receptions and 174 yards, but he had five touchdowns in 13 games. So obviously, Darren Waller is the number one and two probably in the pass game for the Raiders right now until they get another receiver or if they uptick that for uh, Josh Jacobs because we know uh, Washington went on to um, Kansas City. And Jalen Richard is there too, but he's pretty much just a third down back. So Foster Moreau isn't somebody that's going to have flash or big games per se, but he's a touchdown guy. And we know uh, if you get those touchdowns, you could be a, t- a top tight end. So um, Foster Moreau of the Raiders finished 37 overall. We're not worried about that, but 5.3 fantasy points per game as basically a backup tight end. Not bad. Yeah. So he was drafted in round four. So there's 22 tight ends in round four. Uh, that come into year two in the last 10 years, uh, it's 5% all across the board. So that means that that same chunk has hit, if I'm thinking about this wrong, that would mean that the, that chunk has hit top six in their second year, that 5%, as well as 12, 18, and 24. I might be overthinking that. The odds aren't really that great anyways. Um, they signed Jason Witten, so that there's not a chance he, t- he finishes a top, I don't even think he finishes a top 24 it's kind of weird because he was he was drafted to be what Darren Waller was last year. He was an athletic, big tight end that, I mean, he can run block. I'm not going to say he can't run block, but he's just a big pass-catching tight end. And then this whole Darren Waller thing happened. Um, him and Irv Smith, I think, are perfect. Even Sternberger, who we're going to talk about next, those are the perfect taxi squad stashes for Dynasty Leagues because there is no timetable on tight ends. Like, Travis Kelsey is going to be a tight end one for the next three, four he could even go to he's like 37 like i mean there's not a timetable on when they well there's a timetable when they break out it's usually not right away but like when they can actually produce like other positions have age gaps like running backs is roughly like the 23 to 27 range wide receivers usually 26 to 31 um but not this year complete dynasty stash taxi squad even just toss them on your bench Maybe when Jason Witten leaves, hopefully next year, they kind of, I mean, they signed Witten for a reason. So my hope is they go to a two tight end set, which they need to do. They have Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams, and potentially a rookie receiver. If that, they might not even go there because they need, they have other needs as well. So I think hopefully my hope is they run a Waller Moreau tight end set for the future. Um, they could just keep signing Witten back as much as he wants to play, but I think he's just a taxi squad um, stash at this point. One more time. I know you broke it down on the last episode, but uh, or I think you broke it down maybe during the running backs. Um, please just explain Taxi Squad real quick. Yep. So Dynasty, you can X amount of bench spots, X amount of roster spots, doesn't matter. Taxi Squad is basically uh, your G League, your AAA squad, your farm squad, whatever you want to call it. You put a player on your Taxi Squad, usually post-startup, or there's usually a period where if it's ran right, the commissioner will open up waivers for like one month in the offseason that's when you kind of work out, like picking up guys, moving on your taxi squad. What you do is you put them on your taxi squad. And once they are, if they are on your taxi squad, like for example, I had Tony Pollard on there last year and one of my main ones, I took him off at the start of the season. And once he comes off your taxi squad, um, if it's ran right, he's not supposed to be able to go back on your taxi squad. So it's kind of where you just put these guys, like like all the tight ends, we kind of going through like Dawson Knox, Irv Smith, Moreau, just kind of the late flyers. Um, a guy like Pollard, a guy like Raquel Armstead that we talked about, a guy like, I don't even know, maybe Drew Locke at the start of last year because we didn't know when he was going to play. So that's just kind of like a, 
it's a like like how you store stuff in the cloud. It's kind of like a bench, four or five bench spots in the cloud, kind of. They're not not like on your roster, but they are there. Um, but you don't have to like drop them to pick up a guy or whatever the case may be for that. Love it. So it's it's basically you know high risk uh, or sorry high reward, little risk uh, spot. Yep. And just keep, mm-hmm. keep putting the people in. Yeah, I like that a lot. Cool. Um, I just want to mention quick Darren Waller. So this is, I mean, it's the first time that most people even heard of Darren Waller last year. So obviously a breakout, 117 targets, 90 receptions, 1145 yards and three touchdowns. It was actually his fourth season. So he had two nothing seasons in Baltimore in 15 and 16. He was hurt and out for 17, came back in Oakland last, uh, in 2018, just 65 in uh, just four games. So last year in his fifth season was when he finally broke out. So this just, again, mentioning a lot of these tight ends take a lot of time to work out. Um, and what I've heard over the years, which I totally agree with, um, playing high school football, uh, I played offensive line, I played some fullback, running back in my old days, um, and linebacker and the offensive line and tight end is kind of. Tight end can be a very difficult position to learn for younger players, especially at the NFL level, because you're learning blocking schemes, whether you're a blocking tight end or not. You're learning blocking schemes, pass coverages, run blocking, working with your tackles, receivers on cracks and whatever. And then you're also learning the entire route tree, your quarterback and all these things, making these option routes. So it can be very difficult for young players to pick up at the NFL level. Um, and if you're just not up to speed, just don't play you and you don't get the opportunity to do that. So I'm not saying any of these tight ends are or aren't that guy, but that's just a, a, another example. Darren Waller here in his fifth season, finally breaking out here with the Raiders. So these guys that we're talking about aren't necessarily relevant right now, but they could be in a few years. So again, I just kind of urge you, if you have a spot and you're just scanning, you know, scanning tight ends to put on your dynasty roster, I would pick up one of these guys uh, versus a or a Trey Burton or or a name that you've heard before that just isn't going to be valuable in a year or two. For sure, for sure. All right, let's move on to our last name here, uh, Jace Sternberger. So uh, he's with the Packers. He's going to get an opportunity on to the Bears, which was one of the more perplexing moves. The opposite. Sternberger didn't do much last year. Um, he just had one single target. However, in the playoffs, uh, he was basically put on IR early in the season and didn't return till week nine, so he didn't do much there. But in the playoffs, he did have uh, three receptions uh, for and, and a touchdown, so they used him a little bit more there. Um, of course, there's this narrative always uh, outside of, you know, Jermichael Finley a little bit, Jared Cook a little bit, Jimmy Graham a little bit, that basically the tight end for Aaron Rodgers – um, as I think he could be with the talent of Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Um, again, this is a super deep name. Do you think there's an opportunity if he's the only guy there with the Packers as of right now, having Devontae Adams and about, and well, Devin Funches, I guess, but having about five other receivers that we don't even know if are going to be on come summertime. So if they don't draft another receiver, do you think Devin Funches is kind of that tight end, or do you think that Jay Sternberger may have an opportunity in the second year? Well, it's not a narrative because it is true. Tight ends do go to die in Green Bay. It happens. But I'm all for Jay Sternberger. As much as those two don't add up, 
because um, right now, I mean, we're just talking about like the prospect in general. So he was round three last year. So he does have those surprisingly good hit rates of 16%, 21%, 32 and 37 out of the 19 in the last 10 years. He is like what he is like just a younger Jimmy Graham in his just body type, his profile, the way they play. So that's promising because I mean, obviously he didn't, if he's on the IR, he didn't practice. Like he wasn't like running behind Jimmy Graham or anything, but like he watched him play. So maybe he learned some things. So he has good odds to break out, to finish high. Graham left um, 63 vacated targets open. Like that's a good number. But yeah, you always have to go back to that tight end to go to die in Green Bay. Um, I personally don't think they're going to add a receiver high, especially in that first round. They don't need to. They had 13 wins last year with Alan Lazard, Iowa State boy, and then Devontae Adams. They could literally roll into the season with those two, Sternberger and Devin Funches, and still get 13 wins. Their division kind of sucks. I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, he's a breakout candidate, yes, but he's a tight end in Green Bay. So you have to take it for what it is. So, like, I really like the odds he has, the position he's in, him as a prospect. But you just have to kind of circle back to that that overarching tight end in Green Bay scenario because it is true. Yeah, no one can think of a tight end that's ever done good there with Rodgers. So you just kind of have to do, maybe take a risk on him. Redraft, this would be like a – like, I mean – I don't know. It'd be the type of move where you get him in the last round, and if he doesn't work, you're just going to drop him anyways. But in Dynasty, he's a perfect taxi squad guy, even a perfect tight end, too, just to have on your bench because he, if no tight end is drafted there, obviously he will be the starter for this year. And there are a couple other tight ends right now on the roster. Of course, Jimmy Graham moves on to the Bears. Jay Sternberger right now is the number one tight end. Mercedes Lewis, who's had a long-time career, uh, really long time ago um had a couple of decent catches with the packers recently as well and then robert tanyan um who's had a couple couple uh big plays but not really a, a routine guy so i think jay sternberger has every bit opportunity to be that number one guy there's a bunch of receivers as we mentioned jay comero mbs um esb i mean uh your boy again i think it's a taxi squad uh or bust if you will but um I'm with you there. So I don't have him ranked redraft at all, but I do have him at 25, actually ahead of Foster Moreau and just behind Dawson's and Dynasty because if there's an opportunity here, he could be that guy with that profile. So that wraps up the sophomore tight ends. Uh, again, that was Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox, Irv Smith, Foster Moreau, and Jay Sternberger. Uh, Lucas, let's shy away from redraft here with these tight ends because they're just not going to have much value. But in Dynasty – um, maybe not necessarily overall, uh, unless you have that, but in out of these particular players, uh, what is your general ranking for these guys in dynasty? And, yeah, so I, uh, you know, feel free to, to mention that ta taxi squad thing again. Yep. So I actually just finished up my dynasty rankings before we started this. So I do have them. So I have Noah fan is tied in nine behind Goddard, um, and Evan Ingram. Hawkinson is tied in 11 behind Higby and then obviously Fant and Goddard. I have Irv Smith at 18 behind kind of that wave of young guys and Jared Cook. Then I go down to 23, I have Sternberger. 24, I have Dawson Knox. Um, Josh Oliver, we didn't go over him. I have him at 30. Uh, Moreau is not in my top 36. He will be probably going forward, um, but he's probably like the 37, 38. And then am I missing someone? That's good. That's it, yeah. 
Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about all over uh, Jags. They did bring in Tyler Eifert, who man, I'm super rooting for the guy. He's been absolutely destroyed the last handful of years with injuries, um, but at 13 touchdowns one season a long time ago for the Bungles that we're all hoping to relive. But uh, Oliver could have an opportunity as well, seeing that Tyler Eifert isn't able to stay healthy. Although he did have a full season last year with the Bengals, so um, I'm similar in rankings. Uh, Dan. Um, I've got uh, Irv Smith, actually, um, at uh, 18. I've got TJ Hawkinson at 19 right now, which will definitely change soon. I just want to see what the Lions actually do uh, in the draft um, and, and uh, make sure that they're not going to mess with that. I got a weird feeling for some reason. Um, and then I've got, uh, let's see, Dawson Knox at 21, uh, Jay Sternberger at 25, and then Foster Moreau at 34. Awesome, man. That wraps the sophomore tight ends. Again, this is more of a conversation of kind of long-term things outside of Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Maybe take a flyer on Dawson Knox this year in redraft, but Irv Smith, Foster Moreau, Jay Sternberger, um, Oliver, uh, those are kind of taxi squad guys that we mentioned uh, or dynasty um, pickups here in the offseason. Before we get out of here, Lucas, please let us know uh, what we're going to be dropping on the 26th. Yeah, for sure. It's on the 26th, um, a week and a couple of days now. We're pre-recording this, so it's a while. We got two weeks as of now, but when you're hearing this, about seven to eight days, uh, the rookie dynasty guide, I guess you could call it, just the rookie guide in general, all of our rookie write-ups for, I think we have every single rookie covered. If not, we'll add them as we go. Rankings, hit rate charts, all the numbers that I spit out, um, Dwayne or Dewey's Nuts on Twitter is going to have a write-up. We'll have all the data shown. You can have the graphs. You can download the data, download the graphs, all that stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Film series, we'll have prospect breakdown videos. I think that's it for now, unless we think of some more stuff. But that'll be free. Domain, to be named, still haven't got that secured. Um, and that'll be where our redraft and dynasty guide will be found come the summer. We'll just add on to that um, with the rookie stuff included. But the 26th is our free launch of the rookie dynasty guide, rookie redraft guide, anything. Um, so I'm excited for that jam-packed information giving everybody a sneak peek on what's going to be available for our overall and of course it's going to be a redraft eventually dynasty and now these rookies coming out first before we get out of here i want to preview a little bit our next couple episodes we're going to have a very special guest on here jonathan rifkin uh, if you were listening to the podcast last year, you heard his breakdowns uh, previewing the NFL draft and post-NFL draft. Um, he's been working with Fox Sports. Uh, he's been all up and down the college series in the West Coast. Uh, he's actually been running a podcast, which we'll get into, uh, with a professional athlete. And <clears throat> he's a, just a great, super smart, knows the college landscape very well, um, and he's going to be previewing the NFL draft with us coming up just around the corner on the next couple episodes. So make sure you turn into those. Again, Jonathan Rifkin, you can check him out uh, to get a preview of that, but he will be with us to break down the quarterbacks and running backs and then uh, the wide receivers and tight ends in lead to the NFL draft. Before we get out of here, of course, make sure to hit that subscribe button on the YouTubes. Make sure you drop a comment here and let us know which of these tight ends you're going to be targeting in your redraft and your dynasty leagues. Make sure to leave a rate and review on the podcast, please, wherever you're listening. Make sure to share those out. And on Instagram, you can find us at fantasyfootball underscore Pod On Twitter, that's TCK underscore pod. Facebook, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast page. And you can find all of our work, all of our articles, all of our rankings getting fine-tuned here as we get into the NFL draft and everything else on our website at tckpod.com. That is tckpod.com. 
Lucas, always a pleasure. Never a chore, my man. And we will catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.